Do you want to set your child up for success? Is tutoring out of your budget, or perhaps you're someone like me who just wants to save money on private tutoring? Is this a big school year for your child? You know, maybe they're starting kindergarten or middle school. Maybe there's another milestone coming up. Or maybe your family moved. Oh my gosh, I moved so much when I was growing up. And the kids are starting a new school. Or maybe your child is ahead and just not getting challenged enough in class. Well, IXL Learning is here to help. IXL Learning is a fun online learning program for kids covering math, language, arts, science, and social studies. It's powered by advanced algorithms. IXL gives the right help to each kid, no matter the age or the personality. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. That's right. It is school approved. So make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And how to be fine listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com/fine. Visit IXL.com/fine to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Again, that's IXL.com/fine. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hey, Jolenta. Hey, Kristen. It has been one week since we lived by the five love languages, and you know what that means. It's time for another By the Book Minnesota. That's right. It's time for another Buy the Book epilogue. This week, we have a giant mailbag full of letters related to the five love languages by Gary Chapman. Not surprisingly, at least half of the letters we received this week came from people who had thoughts on the love language of receiving gifts. As you may recall, receiving gifts was a language that baffled Kristen Dean and myself, and uh, my husband Brad didn't speak that language either. So we asked you guys to explain it to us, and you did. Let's start with a voicemail from Colin, which seems to echo what a lot of our listeners said to us. I really loved your recent episode on the five love languages. And as someone who does value gifts, I know that's an unpopular opinion around here, I kind of wanted to explain it a little bit. So for my partner and my first Valentine's Day together, years and years and years ago, he gave me something that still means so much to me. And it wasn't very expensive, and I don't still have it, but it was a little tray of homemade vegetarian rose-flavored marshmallows. And that might seem like kind of a weird thing, but what it represented in the moment that he gave it to me is it represented that he'd been listening all of those times that there was, like, rose ice cream or, or a rose-flavored candy, and I really loved it. And he was listening that one time that we were in 
a weird little health food store, and I finally found vegetarian marshmallows because they usually have gelatin in them. And I was so excited. And so it wasn't so much the fact of getting a gift. It was the fact that they showed that I had been heard and that I was really known. So, yeah, Colin? Mm-hmm. You were saying something that a lot of our listeners said. I would say over half the listeners who wrote in about gifts pretty much said, this is a way of showing you know me. This right. is a way showing of... Showing you've listened, you've yes, noticed. I was thinking about you. All of those things. So, Colin, you're not alone in that. Yeah. So, next we heard from Rachel, who makes a good point about gifts being great for friends who live far away. She says, gifts are often how I express love for someone, which is especially helpful if I cannot be physically present. I have a lot of friends spread across the country, and while I would love to have a coffee date with them, it is impossible. So instead, I send them gift cards to Starbucks to let them know I was thinking about them. It is not unusual for me to have a small stash of gifts waiting for the mail, small items from cards to keychains that I picked up simply because something about that token made me think of a loved one. And what's kind of funny is that I'm also not overly sentimental. I do not have a lot of trinkets lying around. I throw out my kids' artwork after two weeks, for goodness sake. So all the more important to me that the gifts be small, practical, or consumable. Having a gifts language doesn't necessarily mean drowning in stuff. I love a consumable gift always. Oh, yeah. If I can eat it. Except not the sweets as much. I, I know. You want a gift of, like, chips or crackers. Or a margarita. You know, I oh, will I not, know you'll I consume will not that, turn that down gift. a margarita. But I love the idea of little gifts when you're not with people. I think that they do make an impact. For When I was asking my friends to be my bridesmaids, they lived all over the country. And all I did was I made, like, little friendship bracelets, like old school friendship bracelets, you know. Ooh, that is so um, All in the same color palette and sent it out to all of them. And they, like loved it. It meant so much that it had that little like token in it for them. Yeah. Now, I really love this letter from Baldwin also. Baldwin says that gift giving might be good for people with social anxiety. Baldwin writes, my father is a wonderful, loving man, but he doesn't like to draw attention to himself or create high emotion scenes, which is what naturally happens when you plan a special activity, do a big act of service for someone or show affection physically or through words of affirmation, especially when those things are done in public. My dad adores his wife and children, though. So what's the most comfortable way for him to show it? Through gifts. He's a very thoughtful gift giver who goes to a lot of effort to find presents we will love, a book he enjoyed that he'd like to share, a neat rock he found on a hike, or something else small that lets me know he's thinking of me when we're apart. I see the point in that. Yeah, and I imagine there are Definitely people out there who would say, saying I love you out loud seems terrifying. Mm -hmm. Giving you a token does not feel terrifying. Yeah, that's definitely true. A lot of listeners also wrote us to say that gifts were the language they were taught when they were growing up. Ilsa says, my parents were gift givers when I was young. It was their main or even only language. So that's the language I learned. Even now in my 30s, it's the language I can most clearly hear from the people around me. Yeah. I mean, right. not surprisingly, the love language that speaks to us is possibly what we're used to from our childhood. Yeah, what the how love was expressed to us. Yeah. Now, Stephanie had a really interesting take, though. Um, mm-hmm. She writes, growing up, I watched my dad use the love language of gift giving. He traveled constantly when I was a kid, flying out on a Sunday or Monday and flying back on a Friday. He almost always brought my mother and me something back, especially if it was a new destination. Snow globes, T-shirts, the chocolate left on his pillow at the hotel. Some gifts were purchased, whereas others were collected. 
The point was, in a pre-cell phone era, also before email, these little gifts were ways he showed he had been thinking about us the whole trip. Now, if that person is thinking of you, they can text you or take a picture of the object that reminded them of you. In 1992, you either had to call on a landline, describe this awesome object, or just buy it for them. I would not be surprised if there is a correlation in your listener's age and the love language of gift giving. That's so interesting. I never thought about that. This book was also written before cell phones, so you can't just take a picture and be like, saw this puppy, thought of you, you would buy a stuffed animal of the puppy. Yeah. Erin takes that even a step further, uh, and she suggests that gifts may just be more popular with people older than us. She says, Kristen and Jolenta really enjoyed the show today. In response to your request to figure out the receiving gifts love language, I think that in prior generations, folks actually waited to get the things that they wanted. Whereas now, if we want chocolate, a new scarf, or a weed whacker, we just get it. I think that gifts in general are harder to understand these days because we are very used to having immediate gratification. Oh, that's so that's interesting. so smart. I never would have thought of it that way. Yeah, but Aaron, but thank you. Yeah, if you're waiting all year to receive that one special something, mm-hmm. gifts mean a lot. And when things weren't mass produced and easy and cheap and on Amazon, it was an act of saving up and putting real thought into something that was like crafted lovingly, maybe. That is such a good point. Yeah. Oh, such I, a good oh point. Oh, my gosh. This is why we have listeners, Kristen. And we I don't love exist our in a listeners. vacuum. <laughs> you guys are the best. Now, I do have to read this one, though, from a different Erin who wrote to explain why she's anti-gifts. Because I think for the folks who are writing in who are pro-gifts, they may not have an understanding of the anti-gifts people because Mm -hmm. I just made a couple of snarky asides in the last episode. I didn't actually explain anything. So Erin was giving our listeners insights on our Facebook community. She says, I think that anti-gifters feel like not only are gifts something they will have to throw away and deal with the emotional stuff around that, but also resent the obligation of having to buy gifts for our gift love folks, where the gift love peeps don't seem to have that burden so much. As an early adopter of KonMari, that's Marie Kondo from the Life-Changing Magic of Tidying Up, Um, As an early adopter of KonMari, my disdain for all things clutter, especially gifts, has only increased over time, and I really struggle to even be fake grateful when someone gives me something. I know it's the thought that counts, but I can't help thinking if they are really thinking of me, they'd know that I don't want their stuff. Good point, (laughs) Erin. I understand your pain. It's a tough one. Yeah, because the thought does count, but if it Mm -hmm. is just piling up in your house and causing you stress, then... Yeah, maybe it doesn't feel like a gift. It does probably feel more right. like a torture or a burden or something yeah, else. Yeah, it's tough. How do you get those minimalists in your life? Like a birthday present, though, you know? You take them out to dinner and buy oh, them chips. Yeah. Buy me some potato chips. You just get hand Kristen <laughs> a box of Cheez-Its and she's good to go. Oh, yeah. Love those Cheez-Its. I like this letter we got from Meg, who explains how a mismatch on the receiving gifts language hurt a prior relationship. She wrote... Gifting is not my love language, but it is my ex's. He loved to buy presents for me and frequently wanted to buy things when I just admired them. I grew up without a lot of money, and I am uncomfortable spending money on things that aren't necessary. And especially when we started sharing finances, this drove me crazy. We each had some separate money in part because of this. Mm. That's a good point about how if you don't have the same love language, let's say one of you, it's all about gifts. And the other person, all about touch. Oh. It's a tough disconnect. Yeah. It seems like it would be really tough. Now, this is, 
I can't talk about this without laughing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because Carla Renee, one of our listeners, she is a genius. Carla Renee, if you're listening, you are a genius because her response to my snarky comments about uh, the language of receiving gifts, she responded by just sending an electronic gift card for Starbucks. She no explanation. <laughs> no, hi, Kristen, how you doing? Nothing at all. Just a gift card that showed up at buy the book at panoplete.fm. And when it showed up, I was laughing my head off. Did it make an impact? Did you feel thought of? Did you feel loved? I thought, Carla, you are the sneakiest, cleverest, <laughs> shadiest listener we have. Ooh. And I will take that shade and I will use it because Jolenta and Cameron and I are going out after this taping. We're going to have some coffee and we're going to raise a cup to you, Carla for how clever you are, because this was hilarious. We all just thought this was the funniest thing other. Very good pro-gift argument. Very good. Very good. (laughs) All right. We need to take a break, but we'll be back with some questions and comments about the other four love languages, as well as some other uh, topics and questions more broadly related to the book. Do you ever find yourself wading through your newsfeed on Facebook or Twitter, wishing you could just call someone up and ask, what do I really need to pay attention to here? Well, what if you could? I'm Mary Harris, the host of What Next, Slate's new daily news podcast. And every weekday morning, I'm going to be on call for you, taking you inside one story, going deep behind the headlines. What Next is news you're not going to get just scrolling through your phone. To listen, subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. All right, Kristen, let's talk about some of the other love languages, please. All right, let's talk about Jessica. Jessica writes in with some thoughts on acts of service and on touch. She says, Loved this episode. My husband and I read The Five Love Languages years ago, and it totally shifted my perspective. He's acts of service, but I was always resistant to cooking and cleaning for him because I didn't want to default to traditional gender roles. However, once I realized it was his love language, it helped me to do more housework without resentment. I still have to remind myself sometimes. And once we found out my love language is touch, we both are cool that he gives me 1,000 times more back rubs and scratches and hugs than I reciprocate. And I don't feel guilty about it because it's not his love language. Both of us feel like the other language is easy to give now, and our day-to-day lives still feel special and happy 10 years later. Yay, Yay. Jessica! (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. As a recipient of most of the rubs and scratches, I can say I do love that love languages has sort of made me feel less guilty. Because Brad doesn't care about touch as much. I'll just, you know, give him words of affirmation about how good he is at giving me a back rub, and he's happy. And then you're happy, too. Everyone's happy. And then we stay married forever. (laughs) Next up, we have a letter from Kate, who has some very interesting thoughts on acts of service. She says, To be honest, the love language that never made much sense to me is acts of service. Chores equal love? No thank you. The idea of someone saying, if you really loved me, you'd do this chore I hate without my having to ask, skeeves me out in a passive-aggressive, nagging spouse kind of way. 
In my world, whoever is bothered most by a chore not getting done does the chore, and that's the end of it. It's not some kind of unspoken tallying of love whether the laundry gets done or not. But as I have learned, not everyone shows love in the same way. So to each her own. Yep, that's my own. Love it. (laughs) Dean, I will love you to death for every time you do the laundry. Love it. (laughs) All right. Lauren writes to say, to her, words of affirmation are hard. She says, Jolenta, I am the exact same way as you are with your husband. I am so bad about being down on myself, and I am so negative, and I realized that I talk almost the same way to my husband. He definitely speaks words of affirmation and touch love languages. I realized even my teasing sticks with him, and many times I ask him why he didn't talk to me about something, and he says he didn't want to disappoint me. At the time, I thought, why would you think that? And now I realize it's the way I speak to him and about him. Words of affirmation and touch are just not things I grew up with, but I express that to him, and I'm definitely going to work on it. Yeah, people who need words of affirmation are probably, I'm learning, they're more sensitive than I thought they were. Yeah, and also, I mean, it goes back to, to go a few books back, mm-hmm. what to say when you talk to yourself. Right, right. I mean, that's what Lauren is kind of echoing here. She's yeah, saying totally. how I, she talks to I herself. I talk to myself, and then I make fun of my husband in the same way, and then he's like, I'm afraid. <laughs> or at least that's what Brad says. Maybe I'm projecting. <laughs> oh, I loved this. Lindsay is one of our many listeners who think that five love languages is not enough. She says... I think my true love language is an undiscussed sixth one, dependability. If someone doesn't do what they say they'll do and show up on time for stuff, no amount of other languages will make up for it. I love that. That is so nice. Lindsay, you are awesome. Yeah. I've thought about this too, and many listeners have written in with other love languages. show up. (laughs) Lots of people have said their love language is food. Mm, Tons mm -hmm. of them have said that it is alcohol, actually. Really? Like, you bring me my glass of wine while I'm sitting on the couch watching The Real Housewives, you are my honey. Or... In my case, I think that sense of humor means a lot. Are you making mm-hmm. me laugh a lot? Yeah. If yeah. you're not making me laugh and if you don't think I'm hilarious, then I probably don't <laughs> love you and you don't love me. Oh. Yeah. I know Dean must love some puns then. Oh, he does. He oh. does. <laughs> he's punny and he's he's just. Nope. Nope. Uh, Please don't make okay. puns <laughs> about the word pun. <laughs> Let's just move on. (laughs) Aren't you you supposed to read the next letter, Kristen? (laughs) Okay, okay, okay. Nicole, she had a profound thought. She says, it occurred to me as I was just taking the love languages quiz, is this really a test of what makes me feel loved? Or is it a test of what my relationship is lacking? Ooh. I was a strong words of affirmation, which is exactly what my husband struggles with. I feel like I tested high in this category because it's what I feel is missing from my relationship. Ooh. That's so interesting. Yeah, maybe. That totally makes sense. Oh, totally. I never thought of it that way, but duh. Yeah. Yeah. Elizabeth wrote us to say, Dear Kristen and Jolenta, I love your podcast, and I'm so thrilled that you're doing the five love languages. I tried this book with my husband, and it utterly bombed. First, I realized that I expect him to be like my dad, acts of service, even though I maybe crave other things from him, words of affirmation. Second, My husband took the quiz and he scored zero points for gift giving and had a four-way tie for all the other languages. As soon as I saw his test results, I gave up. I wanted a simple insight into making my husband happier, but the man is just too darn complex. 
I like expressing love through gift giving, but according to his quiz, I can't do that. And now I feel like I will never be good enough because I need to learn four love languages to please him. I expected the book to give us some simple insights into making each other feel more loved, but it did not turn out that way. You know what I'm going to say to you, Elizabeth? That's fine. There yeah. are other books out there. This book does Do not, not have to be your Bible. That's, no. that's why Kristen is always wary of the categorizing books because yeah. they're like, it's really hard to categorize people. Even when there are five choices, the person you're trying to please might resonate with all of them and you're you're going to feel just as helpless as when you started. Yeah. And also I would argue that some people, and maybe your husband is like this, just find the whole process of taking a quiz that's mm-hmm. trying to categorize you so off-putting that they're not necessarily going to do well with a quiz. They might yeah, do better with couples therapy or they might do good in a different kind of situation. But I just don't know if the quiz works for everybody. Not everyone's into taking tests that break them down into an identity. Some people hate that. Some people don't want to be told, you're this because you answered this on question seven. Yeah. 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 Now, I love this letter from Kathy. Kathy writes, thanks, Jolenta, for expressing your hesitation in fully endorsing the five love languages. I do research on intimate partner violence. And as I was listening, I was thinking about all of the women who desperately want their relationships to work, but are unable to recognize the signs of abuse. Often they beat themselves up for not trying hard enough. And this book could feed into that. Figuring out an abusive partner's love language will not stop someone from being manipulative, dishonest, gaslighting, or controlling. I have not read the book, but I hope the author includes a message of caution, especially if he is or was a religious leader. There's a lot of pressure on religious families to stay together, but that can only work if everyone in the family is treated with respect and care. Thank you, Kathy. Love that. That is a very important thing. I would say the number one thing I worry about with all these relationship books is they all tend to have a bit of an underlying theory of, like, try to stay in your marriage no matter what. And I'm a big advocate of getting out of marriages that are detrimental to mental health, physical health, anything that doesn't feel right. So, you know, yeah, it's a fine line. You want to make things work, but you don't want to make excuses that involve victims blaming themselves. And I I worry about relationships maybe encouraging that sometimes. Yeah. And I'm just going to say something that might be controversial to some listeners. It's also fine for a relationship to end not because of abuse. Exactly. Maybe this is not a good match for you. And that's okay. That's okay. One of the things I... relationships don't end in death only. Yes. (laughs) They can run their course and you can get beautiful things out of them and they can just end. Yeah. One of the things that... I like to say that's kind of a paraphrased quote that supposedly Margaret Mead, the great anthropologist, once said. So supposedly the story goes that at one point an interviewer asked her, you're such a great anthropologist and you seem to know so much about people. So why is it that you've had three failed marriages? And her response was, none of those marriages was a failure. I love that. And I'm a big believer in that. Mm -hmm. Just because a marriage ends doesn't mean it was bad. And you do not have to stay in a marriage no matter what. Yeah. And, yeah, a lot of religious communities, especially conservative ones, have embraced the five love languages, teach it to um, engaged couples and so on. And just, you know, Jolent and I are saying you don't have to stay married all the time. Nope, you don't. And finally, on a sweet note, we heard from another Elizabeth. I'm going to call her Elizabeth 2.0. Here's what she had to say. Although the book doesn't mention it, the love languages can also be applied to ourselves. For example, Kristen's language is words of affirmation, and she is big into positive self-talk. 
One of mine is acts of service, so I like nothing better than spending an entire Sunday afternoon cooking myself a really nice meal. Other people think this is weird, to waste three hours on a meal that I'll eat in 30 minutes alone. But, one, I'm a great cook. Two, I enjoy the process of cooking at least as much as eating. And three, it's me showing myself that I am worth making a fuss over. If I do this for a boyfriend or a friend, why not for myself? Love it. Elizabeth 2.0, such a good thought. So good. So good. I can treat myself to my own love languages. If I love touch, maybe I deserve a massage once in a while that I'm going to treat myself to. Oh, my gosh. I want a massage, too. Let's just all get massages massages. after this. I mean, after Starbucks, all of us. (laughs) Oh, Kristen. Do you know what time it is now? Oh, my God. I know what time it is. It's the dun 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 time. It's the time when we announce our next book. Our next book is... Dun, 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 dun. The Wild Unknown Tarot Deck and Guidebook by Kim Kranz. Will we learn to predict our futures? Will the cards teach us to live better lives? Join us next week to find out. Thanks again to everyone who reached out to us. Remember, you can reach us at 505-510-BOOK. You can email us at buythebook at panoply.fm. And you can tweet at us at Jolenta G, at Kristen Meinzer, and at ByTheBookPod. And join our Facebook community where you can talk with other listeners, share your own stories of following the self-help books we live by, you know, submit pictures of your animals wearing clothes, do all the things you want to do on our Facebook community. We love reading what you guys are saying to each other. And once in a while, Cameron, Jolenta, I, even Brad and Dean sometimes pop in and say a few things ourselves. It's true. Thank you so much to our producer, Cameron Drews. Hey, Cameron, what's your love language? Words of affirmation. Ah, Cameron loves words of affirmation. So, Cameron, you are such a good producer. You are the best. So much. The way you you edit sound is off the charts good. Until next time, I'm Kristen Meinzer. And I'm Jalenta Greenberg. Bye bye. Bye. And you know what that means. It's time for another By the Book Minnesota. Do you want us to take it again? I like sure, that. One more time. Okay. What? what? I liked it. I, I liked what? it. I liked it too. Okay. What? No. All right. Hey, Jolenta. Hey, Kristen. It's one thing falling in love with a house, picturing yourself moving in and calling it home, and quite another navigating the world of price negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. An agent who's a Realtor can make understanding that world easier. Realtors have the expertise, access to proprietary data, and tools to help you get from imagining living somewhere to actually doing it. That's the kind of help we can provide. Because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors.